Hi, this is Pastor Rick. Welcome to On Demand, one of my favorite tools because you can get the word when you want it, wherever you want to. It's going to be just good for you. So make sure you stay tuned. It's going to be a great sermon today. We're going to talk about the new wine called No. That's right. No, no, no can be the best thing you ever say. So I'm not going to take all day, but I promise to inspire you for the rest of the day. Get your Bible open, get ready. It's going to be fun as we learn how to say no. I'll come back at the end and I'll take you on a journey in prayer and pray for you that God will bless you with a lot of good yeses in your life. But you got to start with no sometimes. Stay there. It's going to be fun. Stay right there. You know, one of the things that's really interesting to me about studying what they call bibliology, which is the study of the Bible, is that really before the printing press, uh, there was no Bible in the same sense that we have today. They didn't have all of that put together. You are in a generation that has been gifted to have a literal Bible with all 66 books, and that's an entirely wonderful study of itself, how God helped us pull all that together. But one of the things that's really interesting is, now that we've been gifted in this generation with this great resource, valuing its message is really important. So I want to take you on a journey, and I want to show you Matthew chapter 4, and I want to guide you through a, a, an important study. Now, the topic for the day is called The New Wine Called No. So can you say no is going to be the big question for the day. Now, I have some family members, and I'm not going to say their names, but they uh, listened to last week's message, and they decided that they wanted to ask me a question. So these family members sent me um, a, uh, a question. Now, again, I won't say their name. I'll just call them A and E. That's it. A and E. Ask me a question. So here's their question. You ready? Question was this. What, uh, why must we say no to what we used to say yes to in the past? Why must we say no to what we used to say yes to in the past? That was their question. A great question. And I thought, they, first of all, it was really cool. They, they listened close to what I said last week. I introduced the sermon. Then they had this tremendous question. Why must we say no to what we used to say yes to in the past? Well, here's my answer. You ready? And I'm going to put it on the screen because they asked me. You ready? Here we go. What we used to say yes to does not work anymore. We may feel torn, but now you must decide what is best for your future. That's why you've got to say no to what you used to say yes to, because you looked at it and you said, this is not good for me. This doesn't work. And because this doesn't work, I'm not going to do this. This is not good for my future. So that's the short answer. See, get you right to the point. I pay attention to you when you ask questions, family or not. I want you to know that. But let me jump into this if I can. Matthew chapter four will take us further down the road and give us more insight about how this works. Matthew four, verse eight. Again, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. This has been a journey through the Matthew chapter four, and we've gone from verse one all the way down to verse 11. And in, in this, these verses, there were three encounters and I think four lessons I've taught you so far. The first one we talked about was isolation, how Jesus was in the wilderness by himself. 
and how important it is to be able to manage isolation. If you're going to have a, a bright future, and, in, and this is all said in the context of a, of a theme, I called it good home training, that if you're going to be well balanced in life and if you're going to be able to function in a new world, the first thing you have to learn how to do is be isolated. And Jesus models that for us in the wilderness. Secondly, we talked about priorities. The devil tried to get him to make stones in the bread. He said, if you're the son of God, do this, you know, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus says, no, I don't do that. He understood his priorities. Living out of the word of God, not out of the advice of a foolish person, <laughs> was his best choice. And thirdly, we learned the ability, the, right, the, the ability to be wise is something that you need to learn at home. So if you're going to have a balanced life, if you're going to be able to function in a new world, you got to learn how to be isolated. You have to learn how to have the right priorities. And then I said, you have to learn how to be wise, make good choices. Then we told him, why don't, you just, why don't you just jump off this cliff, jump off this temple, and the angels will catch you. And, and the question was, why am I listening to you? He says, you don't tempt the Lord your God. You don't do foolish things and ask God to save you. It's a powerful message about wise living and smart living. And, and saying no, there you go, saying no to stuff like that. And then lastly, today, we talk about this incredible moment where he says to him, why don't you just bow down and worship me? Why don't you just bow down and give me the permanent place in your life? And Jesus listened to what, what he said, and he said, no. Just flat out, no. Get behind me, Satan. And, and just, no, I'm not doing that. You should worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you worship. This is a, this is a classic example of how life comes at us. We get isolated and then we're tempted to make foolish decisions and foolish choices. We are tempted to give up on life and we're tempted to make bad home training decisions. You know, sometimes you, you raise kids, you look at them, you go, did I, teach you, did I teach you that? Did I teach you to do that? Did I? No, I didn't. <laughs> Where did you learn? Where did you learn to talk like that, act like that, think like that? That didn't come from me. This whole series is rooted in this idea that you've got to make better choices. And you've got to come up with new, what he calls new wine and new wineskins. Mark chapter 2 is where we started with that verse. Mark, Mark chapter 2, verse 21. If you remember, let me remind you real quickly. The Bible says, no one, can, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new pieces will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. This, this is a call to accept the new. Now, in this season we're in, a lot of you are struggling with the new. You don't like this new stuff. Some of you don't like online. You don't like any of this, and I, I get it. But this is a new season, and we have to decide whether we want to survive it or not. And the only way you're going to survive it is to face it. You've got to take new and new. You can't take an, an old attitude and this new environment and make it work. That's why some of you have trouble on your job, because you have not decided to accept where you live. You work now at a new place, new bosses, new environments, and you're struggling, struggling. Teachers are struggling. Oh, boy, they're having a hard time. Oh, these kids, they need to go back to school. I can't take it. I understand. I understand. I understand. I get it. I do get it. But the case of children with the coronavirus, if you're watching this during this season, as I always say, if you're not, God bless you, you made it through it. But those of you that are in the season with me right now, dealing with the coronavirus, and you got to make sure we're being smart and wise because the kid population for coronavirus has doubled. It's over 2 million. 
and it's, it's, it, and it's growing. They're afraid that the new virus, the new strand, is affecting children in a larger way. I, you know, we'll see. We're praying for all that to work out, and maybe some of the stuff, data will show something else later. But here's what we have to do with an abundance of caution. If we're going to go back, we have to go with an abundance of caution and an abundance of wisdom. But I said all that to say, you have a new circumstance. You can't act like you're in the old world. You have to have a new attitude towards the new challenges you face. New wine, new wineskins. What gets you in trouble is you try to make something work that's not designed to work. It's important for you to learn to say, no, that doesn't work. We're not in that season. We're in this season. Whenever I see people walking around and they're not, you know, trying to protect themselves, they're not washing their hands, they're not trying to wear anything, a mask, they're trying to, try, they're, they're just, they just act like they're in a, a new, they're in a place that, they're in the old place. You're not in the old place. And let me just elaborate for a minute. You, you're just not there. You, you pastors, you're not there. It's different. And if you can't accept the change, I have to accept the change I'm in. And I have to fight from where I am. I, I say it every, all the time. I know you get tired of me saying this. Maybe, maybe you have to fight the fight you're in, not the fight you want to be in. And in order for us to win together, we have to all fight together. That's why some families can't, can't, don't do well. You know, you're in a new season. Your kids are no longer little. They're big. You have to treat them with more respect. The things are different now. You have a different financial level of responsibility. You own a home now. You have to make sure you save some money. You have to make sure that you're clear. You're, you're a car owner. You have to service your car. New wine, new wineskins, new life, new season. You're married. You're not single. Stop acting like that. You can't talk to him like that. You can't talk to her like that. You can't go and disappear and then, oh, I'm back. You have to learn. I'm in a family situation. We have to pick up, clean up, work together. It's a family. New wine, new wine skins. I'm in a new season. You're no longer out there floating around trying to find somebody. You have somebody. And so you have to act married, talk married, think married. New wine, new wine skins. This is what he's talking about. And you have to say no to the old tendency. You have to say no to things that you used to say yes to. You have to acknowledge that those things don't work anymore in this new environment. But if you can't, if you can't acknowledge it, you may become a victim, which is tragic. It's hard to admit that sometimes you try to tell friends, you try to tell people, you try to warn people, but you can't be responsible for their choices. We've got to be responsible for our own choices. Here we are in a new day, a new time, new president, a new political season, a new moment. And so you can either live with the old attitude and get lost or you can say, when a new season, what can I what can I embrace? What can I what can I do now? And if you're not careful, you're lost in this whole imaginary world of it's going back to the way it was. You're no longer 16. You'll never be 16 again. You're no longer 22 or however old you used to be. You are now in a new season of your life. And you have to learn to say, no, I'm not there. I'm here. But it's tough. It's tough to say no. Jesus was approached and there were some elements of what he was invited to do that were tough to say no to. There are three things specifically I want to point out. And maybe you can relate to these three temptations yourself. First of all, remember he took, him to, he took him to this high mountain and showed him all this stuff. And I want to read it again because some of you may have missed it a minute ago. Let me read it for you again. The Bible says this is in chapter 4, but I'm reading again, verse 8. The devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kings of the world and their splendor. So he took him to a high mountain. So there's this grand thing in front of him. And he looks at it. You ever had something in front of you that was amazing? You ever had somebody offer you something that was phenomenal? You ever said, man, this is a great moment. But it was bad for you. It was bad for you. 
It was just not good for you. No, I'm not, I'm not going to take that opportunity. Because here's what he offered him, a high political opportunity. It was a high opportunity, high mountain opportunity, but it was a great political opportunity. He said, I'm going to put you over everything. Listen to what he said again. I'm going to read this again. I think this is phenomenal. Verse 9. He says, all this I will give you. All this power, all this, all, you, you'll be over all that you see. Imagine being in that political place. All you've got to do is bow down and compromise. That's all you got to do. All you got to do, sleep with me one night. That's all you got to do. All you've got to do, you can have me. You can have, you can have this beautiful woman, this high mountain, high quality woman. Oh, my God. All you got to do. All you got to do is compromise. That's all you got to do. You've got to make a decision to walk away from what you know to be true and bow, bow to this. This is so subtle and sneaky. It slides in on you. You're bowing to money and opportunity and you have sacrificed your family. You see such a great opportunity to advance your career and advance your life that you are ignoring yourself, your health, you. You've forgotten you. You're trying to get to some high mountain opportunity. Sometimes all that has to happen in your life is you have to see a better chance. And so you'll just put everything on hold. And you have to learn to say, no, I can't, I can't do that. That's not healthy for me. Are you, are you facing that right now where you're tempted? to make a really bad decision because it looks like it's going to advance you and you're more interested in advancing than being. You want, to, you want to look like a glorious, wonderful person, but not be one. Now, I know it's hard. It's hard to say no. And what I've done is I've put together one of my personal lists, things that I frequently say no to that are not always easy, but I say no to them. I have to fight them all the time. They come a lot. There are five of these things. And I want to, this is honest. Now, this is one of those times you want to pay close attention because if you want to be nosy, right? <laughs> if you want to know what I really fight in my personal life, here we go, people. Honest, 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 purely honest. No, no hiding. Uh, and the first one's going to surprise you. But here are five things that I have to say, I have to say no to all the time. Number one is depression. It rings my doorbell. It knocks on my door every week. Knock, knock, knock. Can I come in? You might say, wait a minute. Hold on for a second. You depressed, boy. You got a problem. <laughs> I could if I answer the door. <laughs> if I open that door, it'd come on in. It knocks on my emotional door every single week, sometimes multiple times a day. You didn't do this, Ricky. You should have done that, Ricky. You know, you, you know, you need to be a better preacher. You know, you need to be more exciting, boy. You need to bring it on up, son. Come on, come on, work with it. You know, it's, it's, you, you get this thing in your head sometimes and you're, you're, you need to you, need, you feel like you need to do something. You're trying to fix yourself up. You're trying to, OK, let me let me look better. Do I look OK? Am I all right? I mean, how do I feel? You know, my colors matching. You know, you just ah, stop all that. If you're not careful and then, you know, you know, you'll just get depressed. And some people can just say one thing to you. They can walk up to you and say, look at your belly, boy. It's, oh, God, you got to lose two, four pounds in there, son. You know, you really, really? When they do that to me, I want to say, look at your big feet. I don't do it. I don't say your big feet. I, but I start looking for stuff on them, you know. <laughs> yes, I do. Mess with me. 
But, you know, if you know people don't know where you are, you know, you need to be careful. Somebody could be on the curb and you can knock them over. You don't need to be talking about people when you see them commenting on. If you can't say something good, my mama used to say, don't say anything. Just be quiet. Shh, quiet. But some of you, you're just inspectors. When you see people, you say, oh, one of your eyes is drooping. What's wrong? Do you have this disease? Would you stop that? What gave you, who gave you some inspector license? Well, you need to in, in define people when you see them. You're doing good, you're doing bad. You get a 100, you get a 90, you get a 60. You don't get to do that because you never know where people are. But I, I, have, to, I have to deal with that. I have to learn, I have learned how to, to speak to my, first of all, to be honest about how I feel and, and to be honest about the things that I think I need to face. That's why I'm really excited about the future series I'm, I'm, when I'm, that are coming up because I'm, I'm going to really share with you some, some honest moments in my life that I have to make sure I balance. Because in this job where you deal with death every week, literally, loss every week, you're dealing with all these people facing these physical challenges during this pandemic and you've got all this stuff running at you all the time. You, you live on an emotional cliff if you're not careful. And you have to watch yourself because you're owning too much. There's some things I just say, I can't own that. I can't own that. That's not part of how I want to live my life in my own soul. So that's one thing. Number two, I fight this. Ready? Expectations. That's right. Depression, I have to say no to. And expectations, I have to say no to. My experiences have taught me that I must adjust my expectations. My expectations get me in trouble. I expected to be at a certain place. You expect to be at a certain income. You expected, and this is really a big surprise, you, you, you expected that a certain income would relieve you of certain problems, but you get to that income and find out you have more problems. <laughs> you, you, you expected that getting a business would free you, but a business has enslaved some of you. It's made you work harder. And then you still are tight and you, and you have more money, but you have more responsibilities. And it's though the upkeep, uh, man, expectations. And I've had to say, no, stop expecting that. Don't, don't expect it to be that way. You expected marriage to solve all of your lonely problems. You expected children to solve all of your identity problems. You wanted a little person who looks like you. And now you're tired of them because they keep calling your name. Mama, daddy, mama, daddy, mama. You got some food? You want to say fast. I'm not feeding you now. I'll feed you because it's illegal not to feed you, but not now. Starve in this, these next 10 minutes. I'll feed you in 11 minutes. <laughs> I know, it's, you know, your expectations. You know, you, you look over at this handsome man and you thought, boy, I thought if I could just get him, you could just remember he was a popsicle. Just give me a poo. And you got him and you, you don't like the flavor anymore. You just <laughs> ah, look at me. I'm talking to you. You know exactly what I'm saying. You know, your expectations. You're going to get an education, get a degree. And I, I, I was saying this the other day. It's true. I have more education now than I ever expected to have in my life. I, I do. And I'm thinking, oh, man, you know, okay. You know, you guys have been to school for some years. You got a few pieces of paper. And, you know, you thought you were going to be smarter when you got the paper. But when you get education, you find out how dumb you are. You still are. And you don't know everything. And you still got a lot to learn. And you just, whoo, man, or you thought they were going to give you a job. Some of you went to school and you knew that the people have got to give you work because you paid the price. And so now <laughs> you have to say, stop it, expectation. I will not dwell there. Thirdly, you ready? Loneliness. Mm. <laughs> man, man, 
Man, my wife used this term the other day. I grabbed it. I loved it. Self-entertain. I've learned the power of self-entertaining. I've learned that everybody's not going to be there to entertain me. And they can't every day of my life. My wife can't as much as she loves me. I have to work on my own soul salvation. She didn't marry me to solve all my problems. She didn't marry me to be there for me every second of my life. I have to learn how to self-entertain. I, I, we're there. We spend a lot of time together. We have a good relationship. But I'm telling you, there are seasons when she is not the answer to my problem. Jesus is. My own way of thinking. I have to regulate my mind. Here's a fourth one. You ready? Fear. Yeah. I respect what needs to be respected and fear what needs to be feared. There are times when fear is something I have to say no to. I'm not going to let you dominate me. I do respect some things I need to be afraid of. I need to respect it. In our current context, fighting this pandemic, there are a lot of people who say, well, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Therefore, I'm not wearing a mask and therefore I am not worried about Corona. Nobody. Jesus is bigger than Corona. He is bigger than Corona, but you are not. And so you need to wear a mask. <laughs> you are not. And so you can go around, you know, there are some dead Christians today who didn't take it seriously. You know, when you see a lion and lions out there, Jesus is bigger than the lion. But you don't need to go and mess with him. As a crocodile out there in the ocean, in the water, you may see him. And Jesus is bigger than the crocodile, but you don't need to go that way. You need to go this way. Jesus is bigger than a lot of things, but you are not. You will become lunch. <laughs> if, you, if you go over there, you'll be a snack. Because you, you need to fear that. That's good fear. Healthy fear. Car coming, you need to fear going in front of the truck. Because you'll be splat if you go in front of the truck. You need to fear that and you need to wait for the light to change. Fear. Fear is, I'm not talking about you doing anything foolish. A lot of Christians use this and say, that's right, Pastor Rick, I ain't got no fear. I'm fearless. And you just, okay, okay. And that's how we, we got into all this debt, some of us in churches. Not afraid of that kind of debt. You're not afraid of, of, of anything happening. You don't have any savings. You don't have any reserves. you you're going, you're killing yourself physically. You don't exercise. You don't eat right. You're not trying to do anything to help yourself stay healthy. And so because you're fearless, you're all messed up now. I, I have to speak to fear and I say no to unhealthy fear. Fear that works against my goals. I say no to. But smart fear, things that I should fear. The Bible talks about fearing the Lord, your God. The fear of the Lord, the Bible says, the beginning of wisdom, learning how to reverence God in a way where you acknowledge, I don't need to play with him. I need to do what he says. So there's healthy fear. And so sometimes I think we all have to fight that and I have to fight it because things try to intimidate me. So there's a balance to that. You think about that. Number five, people. I have to say no to people. I have to say no to people. I cannot sign up with everyone for every cause. I can't be on every committee, every group. I can't. I can't. I can't. It's just not possible. Now, I find it fascinating when um, you step back and you ask this last thing I'm going to deal with today. What, what did Jesus say no to? What was Jesus' biggest, most outspoken um, no in the Bible? 
Here's the one thing. You ready? One thing Jesus said no to and struggled with the most. One thing. You ready? Out of balance religious pride. Out of balance religious pride. Matthew chapter 15 verse 3 is loaded with this example. If you want to know what Jesus said you should not do, what he said no to, don't you be an out of balance religious person with a lot of pride. That's dangerous, toxic, and it spreads like wildfire. Now, I, I, I want to give you a few things that he said that I think would help us see this. Jesus struggled with the tradition and hypocrisy of the religious leaders of his day. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do for they do not practice what they preach. He didn't like that. These prideful religious people were hypocrites. When you got up close upon them, they were not as kind, not as nice, not as generous. As a matter of fact, he says something. The, the second thing he says to describe this was even more graphic. He said they, they put burdens on people. They put bur they struggled with the fact that they put burdens in the lives of, of people. They made it hard for people to serve God. They, they created a culture. I don't know that we get this or not. But a lot of what we've created is created by us. The way we do church, for example. Someone said something the other day that I thought was fantastic. One of our members, I overheard that she said this. She said, I found out that once we were not in church, I had a closer relationship with the building than I did with Jesus. And now that I'm not in the building, I now have a closer relationship with God. That I didn't lose God because I'm not in the building. If anything, it made me focus on him more. Believe it or not, we can create cultures and routines and rituals that, that are burdensome for people. That's what he said. They tie up heavy burden, heavy, cumbersome loads, rather, and put them on, the, uh, on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Amazing. He struggled with that. These religious people full of pride were creating these burdens for people. And thirdly, watch this, he struggled with the desire to be the center of your attention. That that's what they wanted to be. Look what he said in verse 5. Everything they do is done for people to see. Everything is about seeing. And then he says something that's really interesting. He says they, they, they make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. And, and I want to pause and say, a phylactery, I'm going to put an image of it for you so you can see it. It's a, it's a, it's a little pouch you put around your head, right? And, and it has scriptures in it. And there's nothing wrong with it because Deuteronomy said, you know, put the word of God on the, on between your eyes. And they would tie this on the left arm. They would tie the strap. And it was, it, was, it was a symbol of their devotion to the word. But that was what everything was about. It's about being seen, the center of attention. When they, when they go places, they love to be respected, he says, and called rabbi, rabbi, verse 7. They love to be greeted in the marketplace. Pastor Rick, Dr. Rick, you, know, you just feel this sense of power. If you're not careful, that's what it's all about. And then and fourthly, he said they, they lost their ability to be servants. They became arrogant. And they didn't, they didn't have a servant leadership heart. Look at verse 11. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. He struggled with their religious arrogance. They had lost their ability to be humble. You see, the real way to be mightily used to God is to be a humble person. 
is to be a person who bows before God. And then number five, he struggled with the negative impact they had on new converts, people that came to God, that they were creating a generation of believers that were carnal. He said, woe to you teachers, verse 13, of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you teachers of the law, Pharisees, hypocrites, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. In other words, you're a bad influence. When people hang around you, they act like you and they become worse than you. And, and that is tragic. In this culture, I've been kind of bothered by a few things that have stayed in my mind. And one of them is I've wondered why are some of the things I've seen in the Christian church so disappointing to me? Could it be that we've not done a good job teaching people? Could it be that we have raised children that are more... Um, like us, and we, we didn't know it. We're, 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 we're in a season where it's time to reevaluate who we are. There are a lot of materials being written about us. There are a lot of books, and there, there are a lot of things that are being said. We're being called, in some cases, racist and insensitive in some settings, in some circles. 80% of Americans don't go to church. That should concern us. Our young people are fading out the door when they're 18, 16, 18, 17 years old. By 19, they're gone. Our churches are dwindling with young people. And, and I don't need to go through all the other bad numbers. There are a lot of bad numbers. The health of the leaders are bad. The pastors don't take care of themselves. And the churches have very little cash. And, and the list is long. So what can we learn from that? Maybe we're, we're, we're reproducing what we don't want. And maybe it's time for us to take a step back and look at our hearts and look at our lives. Jesus was hard on the leaders. Jesus, if you want to look and say, what was he the hardest on? People like us. And so what can we learn from that? To take a step back and say, maybe we should say no to some of these behaviors. Some of the things that we've done, some of the things we've said, maybe we should not do them. Maybe it's time to say no, no, no. Jesus had a long list of things he struggled with. He talked about how we define defilement. He called them spiritually blind later on in the chapter. It was pretty blistering. But at the end of the day, it makes me step back and say, Lord, if I really want your best in my life, I need new wine and new wineskins. I need to open my heart and have the courage to say no. I need to say I can't live the way I used to live. Why? Because it didn't work. Like my family members asked me, why do we say no to stuff now? It doesn't work. It doesn't get us to where we want to get to. It doesn't help us achieve the goals that we've set. So we now say no to that. We used to say yes to it. But now we say, no, we're not going to do that anymore. Wow. Got a lot more to say down the road. I want to pray for you today. Then I got a special treat for you next week. Let's pray. Father, I pray as we listen to you, as we tune our ears into you today, we say, God, speak to us. Let the word of God come alive in our hearts and minds. There are things we need to say no to. Some of us have been religiously prideful. Some of us as leaders have lost our way. Some of us have put a building in front of Christ and the safety of people. Some of us have lost, Lord God, our sensitivity to your voice. Help us to hear today. Help us to listen today. And help us to say no to the things we used to say yes to, because those things no longer will help us. Being around those kind of people, having those kind of conversations, interacting with people that way, dating that way, giving that way, spending that way, 
thinking that way, allowing our emotions to get out of control, allowing people to drag us into depression, allowing ourselves to become overwhelmed and frustrated with fear. Saying no to that is important. I'm not going to be afraid of that. It's time for us to speak up and say no. And so, God, we, we can't control everything. We can't control all the choices of our children, our kids. We have to learn how to own our choices and pray for them and guide them where we can. We have to release our grandchildren. We have to release, Lord God, the things that would intimidate us and trust you with our future. And so, God, we do. And we ask you today to help all of us today. I pray for healing and grace for those, Lord God, who are facing challenge today. I lift up all of those, oh God, who are struggling, those who are facing this pandemic. Healing and grace to families who are hurting. We thank you and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I pray you were blessed by today's message. You know, it always surprises me that Jesus had to say no <laughs> to the Pharisees. The religious people were the biggest problem. Not, not the people that didn't know God or the secular people or the people who were unchurched or the people who had no religious conviction or the idol worshipers. The harshest words in the Bible were said to religious people, people who were, who were God-fearing people who had became arrogant and lost in their own pride and culture. Are you lost in your traditions and culture? Are you so Baptist you can't hear God, so Catholic, so Methodist, so Pentecostal? Oh yes, you dance and you shout, but you don't listen well. And your life is not consistent with what you say. If that's the case, let me pray for you today. Now it's time to say no. Maybe no to those, those things that keep you in that, that bound place that you need to get out of. Can we pray? Father, I pray for those today who are like me, committed to God, devoted to God. But if we're not careful, we cannot be real up close. Jesus said it well. He said, you know, listen to what they say, but don't do what they do. May that not be true for us. Help us today be genuine and authentic. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for letting me talk to you for a few minutes. I've enjoyed having you into my life. I pray I've helped you in your life. You be blessed. I'll see you next time right here on demand. God bless. Bye-bye.